Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Well, hi, and welcome to the Fruit Pursuit Podcast. Today, we are listening to episode 28 called How to Love. I am really excited about this next month, which, where we will be talking all about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, and digging into this particular subject in a number of other ways. You know, if you want more information about love before we get started, I just want to let you know that we covered some aspects of this particular subject back in November. And so you can go back to earlier episodes and you'll see we've already got four episodes all about love in the archives. And so there's already things for you to binge listen to. But today we're going to talk about this subject, how to love. You know, in in John 15, 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. It's pretty common. We've heard that before. Most of us have heard that verse before that we're commanded to love others as Jesus loved us. It seems pretty clear, straightforward, and yet our current society seems to have a very different definition of what is required to love others well. In fact, let me run through some statements that um, I just, I pulled off the internet, but they're things that I have either heard directly quoted or they represent comments that I have heard made or similar in similarities. So, and even in Christian circles. So I encourage you to listen. Have you heard some of these yourself? Um, consider if you have any of these kind of running around in your own mind. It's not uncommon. All right. So here's some of these quotes. If someone is draining your energy, walk away. And I've even heard like run away. You will find a plethora of Facebook groups, even Christian Facebook groups, where people come on with burdens and uh, women sharing their concerns for different people in their lives showing up in hurtful ways. And I cannot express to you the number of times that the comments that they get and the advice that they get from other women is run away, run away now, run away fast. Don't stay like this is not, you do not have to put up with this, that kind of thing. But how about some of these others? Avoid people who repeatedly do and say things that they know upset you. Or sometimes you just have to remove people without warning. Or how about this one? You don't owe anyone anything except the same amount of respect they show you. Or how about 
It's so nice when toxic people stop talking to you. It's like the trash took itself out. Or there's nothing wrong with avoiding people that hurt you. Or one of the ones that I find the most revolting is the best way to deal with a toxic person is not to deal with them at all. So definitely have had some interaction with people who this, this whole idea of toxic people, toxic relationships, ways that people interact with others that they find difficult. It's a pretty clear message from these quotes that basically anybody who's a wreck isn't worth your time and energy, especially if you think they're going to continue being a wreck. I bet you've heard either some of these quotes before or something similar, something like it. It sounds so comforting in some ways to feel permission to avoid difficult people. And let me tell you, if you decide to just quit, you will also feel relief. Just like if you're holding a big weight above your head and you set it down, your muscles relax. So it's no lie that when we put the hard work down, it doesn't feel hard anymore. And there's a relief that comes. But the question is, does it actually line up with the command of Jesus to love others as he has loved us? Listen, this is not going to be some make you feel good episode. This is going to be a check on your heart and mine. Are we being the kind of Christians that God has called us to be and how we love others and how we love them well? Do, do these ideas line up with how Jesus told us to love others? I don't think so. I know this is a touchy subject, so I'm going to lay some groundwork. I I know that there are people out here in the world that struggle with severe physical abuse, domestic violence, rape, and all kinds of narcissistic tendencies and people who do come across toxic and all kinds of things. But, and so I will define some things and get really clear and I'm going to address those situations as well. But before we move to that, it's really clear that when Jesus said love, we, we want to know what did he actually mean? I, for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to suggest a definition that I have looked around and I honestly can't find where this definition came from, but I love it as an operating definition for love. It seems to me to pull together all of the different aspects of love that is something that Jesus does for us. So I just ask you to consider it as an operating definition. If you don't like it, then what would be your definition of love? What do you think unconditional, sacrificial love looks like? So here's the definition that Brandon and I use. It is, love is the commitment of my will and resources to another person's best interest regardless of the cost to me. Let me read that again. Love is the commitment of my will and resources to another person's best interest, regardless of the cost to me. 
That to me is unconditional, sacrificial love. That kind of love that Jesus had for us. His commitment of his will and his resources, everything he had, to my best interest, regardless of the cost to him. Would you agree? I, and don't think this is how I want to love or if this is what I like. I, I want you to just think about, is this how Jesus loves you? Does it line up with your experience of what he says he is in the Bible and who he says he's come to be to save the world? Because that's the baseline that we have to start with. That's the foundation. We have to get clear who Jesus was and how he loved us before we move forward to how we're loving other people. Because if he says we have to love others as he loved us, then that's the piece we need to be really clear on. How did he love us? Now, if you agree that this definition is an accurate description of Jesus' love for us, then we can use basic logic to determine that, of course, this is also the instruction and challenge he gives us when he says to love others the same way. And I'm not going to lie, it's a tall order, and I don't do it well a lot of the time. When my child is waking me up for the eighth time in the middle of the night, I definitely want there to be a limit of what it costs me to invest in that relationship. When Brandon is a grouch and I'm tired of it and I want my need, I definitely want my needs and wants to come first eventually. When people take advantage of me and I feel cheated, I want to say, no, it's my turn to have my best interests come first. I think it's only natural that that's how we feel. We're human, we have pain, and we don't like feeling uncomfortable. We don't like having to give more than what we feel like we've been given. Listen, the truth is, if loving others doesn't feel painful sometimes, you probably aren't doing it right. It's probably more about loving yourself than it is about loving them. And while I do think treating ourselves as if we have value because God showed that we have value. I do think there's a fine line between acting as if we are stewarding ourselves and our bodies well and focusing on loving ourselves more than the people around us. That's actually a sneaky way to make selfishness sound spiritual. (laughs) And it's not. It's not godly. Loving people in such a way that never stings, never feels hard, or ever causes us any kind of suffering isn't sacrificial. There are many times when love is mutual and we get to equally benefit. We enjoy each other's company and we both get something out of it. That's okay. But we have only to look at the examples of Jesus to know that sometimes love costs everything. He was, for example, tired and went away from the crowds, didn't he? And wanted to rest. And they followed him and he had compassion on them and he allowed them to be there and he healed them and answered their questions. And of course, he loved us so much that even though he knew he was about to die one of the most brutal deaths possible on the cross, 
And it was so incredibly stressful. And actually, we know it was incredibly stressful because when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, he was sweating drops of blood. He decided that love was worth the cost, worth the cost of stress, worth the cost of death, worth the, worth the cost of being misunderstood, worth the cost of torture, worth the cost of agony and heartbreak. And watching other people experience pain while he was suffering, he, it was worth the cost of ending up being completely alone. It cost him everything to love us. Are we willing to let love cost everything? It's a little different perspective than there's nothing wrong with avoiding people who hurt you, isn't it? So... I challenge you to consider this aspect of love from a place. What does it look like to love people from a selfless place? Now, I, we can address the elephant in the room because I definitely struggled with this side of things also. And I'm so thankful that God has helped me see what I think is an answer to a great discussion that Brandon and I had on this topic, this idea of when is enough enough. When I was preparing for this podcast, I was really wrestling with that piece. Like I can't just go on and tell people that they have to love unconditionally no matter what. And because what's going to turn around is I'll get comments and say, no, it is not okay to tell people that they need to stay in an abusive relationship or they need to just let people take advantage of them or, um, you know, or situations of domestic violence or that, or that it's okay to be raped repeatedly or that you need to let someone continually, um, you know, take advantage of your generosity or whatever. I, I get it. And I, I longed for an answer. I've been praying over this for a while and, discussed it with Brandon. Do you let people just walk all over you? Is that really what this is called called for? And do you let people take advantage of you to the detriment of you and your family? And how are we supposed to know when to stop? Is there a sign or a symptom that says, okay, enough is enough? How do we determine what that time is? And so... I know what the world says. Some would say that when you feel like you've had enough, it's enough. Other people would say that they're, you know, like, okay, when you, um, when you feel it in your body, when you start to feel the stress in your body, that's a symptom that it is, that this is not a safe situation and it is time to go away, to walk away. But that's not the example that Jesus gave. I, I would like to tell you that, that opportunity to just feel comfortable about walking away when it feels yucky or it hurts or it's painful is totally fine. And But if you are committed to being a follower of Christ, what you said was, I'm willing to love others as Jesus loved me. That's what you said. And, and walking away just when it feels painful or even physically stressful is not is not what he gave us as an example. 
Some would say you feel so stressed, it's causing problems, but we have Jesus being physically stressed out and he chose to go forward. So the next question I ask myself is, well, are there any examples in the Bible of Jesus walking away, of Jesus stepping away or not staying where he was because um, it was going to cause him physical harm or it was going to cause him you know, to end up in a situation that he felt like wasn't good for him or whatever. And there are, there are more than these two, but I'm going to give you two. So two examples that, that come to mind are first, when Jesus was under two years old and people were trying to kill him, uh, he ran away to Egypt. Now the angels told him, uh, I mean, the angel came down and told uh, Joseph to take his family to Egypt. It wasn't like Jesus spoke to his parents and said, Hey, we got to leave. But there is an example there of he was put in a place and his physical person was, uh, his physical life was being threatened and God removed him from the situation. So why? Why did God do that? What? What was the deciding factor behind why that moment became a time when Jesus needed to run away from physical harm and then death on the cross wasn't, that that wasn't a time to run away. So just think about that one. There's another one that I think of where he was instructing his disciples to go and preach in different villages and he indicated that if the disciples went and tried to share the love of Jesus with them and share the gospel. And the people were not receptive if they didn't accept them, if they didn't welcome them or welcome their message, that the disciples were to, quote, shake the dust from their sandals and release it and let go and walk away. And this is actually something that's in several different Uh, books of the Bible. You can find it in Matthew 10, verses 13 and 14. You can find it in Mark chapter 6, verse 11. You can find it in Luke uh, 10, verse 11. And you can find it in Acts uh, chapter 3, no, chapter 13, verse 51. So this isn't just a one-time thing. There's, it's definitely been repeated as something that was important for us to know. It was important for us to know that there was a time when he told the disciples to walk away. So again, I asked the question, why? It can't just be because they were getting insulted or despised or unwelcomed because there's plenty of times when he instructs us to press on in those situations. You know, blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Um, you know, he he calls us to sometimes a life of suffering. He doesn't say that the the Christian life is going to be all good and that any time it isn't, you don't have to do it. So then the question is, what could it be? Let's go over our definition again and see if there's any clues in there about what else it could be about. If it's not about the cost to us, what else could it be? So the definition again was, love is the commitment of my will and resources to another person's best interest, regardless of the cost to me. So if it isn't about the cost, then the other piece 
that is a deciding factor is what if it's about the other person's best interest? So let's go back to our idea of Jesus fleeing to Egypt with his parents. If we look at that and ask the question, was it in other people's best interest for Jesus to stay and be killed at that time? No, it wasn't in the whole world's best interest for him to to be killed at that time because his time had not come. He hadn't even started his ministry yet. He wasn't, um, he hadn't lived his sinless life at that time. He wasn't, it wasn't a, a sacrificial, uh, death in the same way that just being slaughtered because he was a baby boy at that time. That's not the purpose and the timing that God had for him. And so it wasn't in the best interest of the whole world that he die when he was two. It wasn't just about Jesus's best interest. It wasn't in the best interest of others, of the people he was trying to love. So I suggest this as another indicator for when it is time to say no or walk away or or stop a conversation, or change how you're interacting with somebody. Alternatively, when Jesus died on the cross, it was in the best interest of the whole world for him to surrender to that calling. And he knew it. He knew it. He knew that that was the way to go. He even asked God if there was any other way he explored the options and came up with none. And and the options were, is there any other way that this that that there's another option that would be in the best interest of the people in this world? Of all of these people, is there another option? It wasn't just is there another option for me because I because I don't want to be hurt. He was looking for another, is there another way that this gets taken care of for others? That it could be in their best interest. And the answer was no, no, this is the way. And so in that moment, when he realized that it was in fact in the best interest of others, and that there was no other way that was better in the interest of other people, but for him to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, then he surrendered to that calling and he went and he gave his whole life for it. You know, when he pulled away from a crowd, he knew it was in their best interest that he get some rest. Have you ever needed rest and knew that it would be really good for everyone if that was the priority in that moment, even if the other people around you weren't super happy about it? And when we... The other thing is when we attempt to share Jesus with others and they resist, and this is what I think about when he was telling the disciples to go into these cities, is that often it is in their best interest for us to walk away and allow the Holy Spirit to work on them how he will. Sometimes when we're still talking, they're just continuing in resistance and it doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to sort of soften that spot in their heart if it's going to be softened. And so us walking away can be 
in someone else's best interest. And I think that's one of the reasons why he told the disciples to shake the dust off their feet when they left a town that had not received them. The other thing is, I dare say that to allow other people to continue in sin, whether that's enabling them to remain an alcoholic or a hoarder or continuing to allow someone the opportunity to abuse another person, even if that person is you, that's not in that person's best interest. It's not in someone's best interest to continue in sin. And it might be a little bit different way to look at it, but by continuing to allow abuse to happen, we're contributing to other people living in sin. And so there's definitely a precedent to say, hey, this is not in their best interest. And so what love looks like is committing my will and resources to another person's best interest, regardless of the cost to me. And the cost might be a whole different way of paying that that maybe doesn't feel like just suffering. It might be changing what you're doing drastically because you know you need to step out of a situation. That could be the cost that you're paying to love somebody else well by not staying in a situation like that. But this is also why there are brave souls who remove themselves from abusive relationships and yet stay married. Because one of those things isn't in the person's best interest and the other one it seems like to to that person is that for whatever reason they've decided that their marriage vows and their commitment to that mean that that they're that is in the in the abuser's best interest to stay committed to those vows now i am i am not here to tell you what you should and shouldn't do i'm here to suggest that these types of situations are great opportunities to consider what is in the other person's best interest and not your own. This is why parents release their children to a path that they are determined to walk that maybe the parent disagrees with and yet they still choose to remain connected in that relationship. I tell you, it is the harder choice to watch someone behave in a way that appears to undermine the very thing they long for and yet resist the urge to disconnect completely and release the tension. You don't have to take my word for it, though. I encourage you to test this definition out. See what you think. Try it on. Their best interest. You know, in a sort of silly way, it's... The reason I continue to sit in a passenger seat in spite of the certainty of death that I feel every time my teenage boys are practicing their driving skills. Um, It's the same reason that I continue to show up for conversations that are some of the most difficult things I've ever experienced. Because I know that the result is in the other person's best interest. And, And I mean, it does pay off for me too in those kinds of relationships, but but it's But in the moment, I feel the pain. It doesn't feel like my best interest in the moment to experience all that pain. But the the result can be a a reconciled relationship that is in the other person's best interest as well. You know, this is also why I chose to step away from the commitments that we had with Bible school where, where I used to work. It 
wasn't just about my own personal best interest. It became clear that as far as I could see, as far as my husband and I can see, that it was no longer in the best interest of others for us to remain in that job. Now, you could make a decision and be wrong about it, right? You could try to make the best choice that you can make, considering the best interest of others, doing your best to love them well, and then perhaps you discover that a different choice was in their best interest. Perhaps you realize, oh, that really was not the thing to do. And I get it. We aren't God. We don't have the advantage of being 100% right all the time. God had that ability, had the ability to see into the future and know what was absolutely going to be in someone else's best interest. And we don't have that information. Sometimes all we have is we can make the best decision that we can. But I can say this, that if we are called to love as Jesus loves, then this is a healthy stand to make decisions from on how to love others as Jesus loved us. Don't buy into the lie that you'll be happier by cutting out everyone who offends you or takes more than they give or causes you to experience physical stress or drains your energy. That kind of life is not going to satisfy. Why? Because that's not who God made us to be. He made us to glorify him. He made us to be a reflection of his love to others. And that is where the satisfaction and joy comes is when we are tapped into living that purpose that he called us to be, that he called us to be witnesses of to others. So I hope you found this podcast as thought-provoking as I did when I put it together. I encourage you to take one relationship and consider how you might apply this definition of love to that relationship and test it out. I want to read that definition one more time. It is love is the commitment of my will and resources to another person's best interest, regardless of the cost to me. And I hope you're excited about this month's focus, all on the fruit of the Holy Spirit love. Next week, I'm going to look forward to sharing with you some fun stories of how I love my husband and how he loves me. If you're married or you're planning to be, that'll be an episode you don't want to miss. If you're neither married nor planning to be, don't worry. There's always ways to apply what I'll be discussing, even to friendships in your life. If you want more bite-sized strategies for how to love your people well, I encourage you to go ahead and apply for our Fruit Pursuit Mastermind, where we get super specific in how to tackle difficult relationships and situations like laser focused into what needs you have. You can apply at maryaldrichcoaching.com slash apply. And we would love for you to just go ahead and get started. I invite you not to keep waiting. Don't wait another day to get started taking advantage of these bite-sized strategies. Go ahead and apply today, maryaldrichcoaching.com slash apply. And Let's get started loving those people in your life well. Until next time, take care and love God, love others, and enjoy it. 
You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?